what does it mean to say God is love? Well, you've heard it from Christians and non-Christians. You've heard it from people who want to challenge your faith and call you intolerant because God is love. But what does it really mean that God is love? And further, what does it mean to say we love each other in the same way? Today, we're going to talk about 1 John 4, 7 through 5, 4, the most famous of which is that song you might remember from youth group about 1 John 4, 7, and 8, even though I actually didn't hear that song until college. So hello and welcome back, or welcome, if this is your first time. My name is Wendy, and this is the Bible and the Geek podcast. And on this show, we study the Bible and give practical advice on how to live out your faith in the 21st century. When I was doing research for my next series of videos, this series of videos, one of the suggestions was to talk about 1 John 4, 7, and 8. I thought that was a good idea because so many people take these verses out of context. You know what I'm talking about. So what happens is you have someone living in sin or active rebellion against God, and they use their definition of love to presuppose that they can keep living their lives because God is love. And if you've never taken the time to look beyond those verses or even know what kind of love the Apostle John was even talking about, then it would be hard to properly apply this verse. First, let's get a little background on John and his first letter. The author of this letter is John, the author of the fourth gospel. He is also the one who is mentioned in the Bible as the beloved disciple and one of the sons of Zebedee. So this letter is coming from someone who walked and lived with Christ. In addition, scholars believe this and the other two letters, second and third John, were composed during the latter quarter of the first century after John left Jerusalem and relocated to Ephesus. First John was written to help early Christians confirm their faith and avoid destructive beliefs and behaviors, according to my She Reads Truth Bible. And I believe it. For our purposes, we're going to concentrate on knowing God through love, which is, which is what is covered in chapter 4, verse 7, through chapter 5, verse 4. If you want to read along, grab your favorite Bible or app or hop on your computer and turn to 1 John 4, starting in verse 7. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, and it says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent, God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the father has sent his son as the world's savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. 
and we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. What you'll first notice here is that although we are given the commandment to love each other, we are first reminded that this love comes from God. And what is this love? While you may or may not know, there are four types of love uh, mentioned in the Bible. Eros, which is romantic or sexual love. Storge, which I think is how you say it. Pardon me if I messed up that Greek. Which is familial love. Philia, which is friendship or camaraderie, and agape, which is God's love for the world that we are to emulate, which is self-sacrificial. Only phileo and agape love are mentioned in the New Testament. That's very important, with agape being the most commonly used word for love. And that's what we're seeing here in this passage in 1 John. He is talking about the self-sacrificial love of God. And we know this because of verses 9 and 10. God's love was reveal, revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This goes against the thinking in our culture that love is some combination of good feelings and only serves to make us happy. Often in our culture, people use the word love to describe something that is self-fulfilling and ultimately selfish. But agape love is the opposite of this. Paul talks about this in another well-known passage, 1 Corinthians 13. Verses 4 through 8 say this, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Paul gives us the very characteristics of love that also describe God. This is the manner in which we should love each other. Because if we truly, if we were truly seeking the truth and God's righteousness, we would act differently towards each other. 
Remember, this is God's standard of righteousness, not man's. In further word study, the word for love also means actively doing what the Lord prefers. So many people take that to mean whatever, doing whatever makes you happy, but happiness is not the chief end of man. The chief end of man is to glorify God. Again, we could go off on so many tangents here, but let's stay focused. What else do we know about love? Let's go back to 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. But what I really want to draw your attention to is verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister whom he has seen, cannot love God for whom he has not seen. And then verse 21 continues, and we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. There it is. Point blank. But so many people find that it's inconvenient or just too hard to love everyone as God does. Look at it like this. If you truly believe every human being is made in the image of God and is an image bearer of God, and you claim to love God, then you must also love those who bear his image. There is no place in the kingdom for those who think they are better than someone else due to economic status, skin color, or gender. We will all stand before God and give an account for our time on earth. We will be held responsible for our actions and whether or not we, as an individual, follow the commands of God. While this can get into a greater discussion on the nature of faith and works, I'll just say that scripture is clear that we are to love each other with the same love God has shown us. We even know this from Jesus. When asked what is the greatest commandment, Jesus responded, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. He doesn't give qualifiers to this. He doesn't give exceptions. Think about this for a minute. As a human being, I'm in a state of sin, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. Scripture says, I deserve death, Romans 6, 23. But God chose to sacrifice his only son so that I could be made righteous in his sight, John 3, 16, and have eternal life. Through Christ, we are freed from the penalty of sin, Romans 3, 24. That is a promise for all people. That is good news for everyone. And yet we walk around hating on people because they're different, don't speak the same language or think differently. Indeed, we are to hold each other accountable and to God's standard in our thinking and behavior towards others, especially other believers. That doesn't mean ignoring sin and not being able to call it out for what it is. In another episode, we'll talk about the misuse of the passage on judge about judging others. But we are called first to love. Jesus told his disciples this. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13, 34 through 35. Again, this doesn't mean be tolerant of everything. 
That's not what this love means. We are talking about God's perfect self-sacrificial love. It's perfect. It's unconditional. But it is not tolerant of everything. That would not be love. And again, that's the subject for a different episode. But just know that a lot of times when people come at you and say, well, God is love, what they're really saying is you're being intolerant. And they're probably saying that because you're not tolerating something you should not be tolerating. But that's not the time for a theological debate. Just let it go. <laughs> um, so let's take it all the way back to where we started with the first letter from John. What does it mean to say God is love? It is an expression of self-sacrificial, unconditional, perfect love. The, hum the human language doesn't quite capture it, and certainly the English language doesn't quite capture it just in our one word for love. But this love is the kind where you lay down your life for another person, whether or not they seem to deserve it. It is all the things mentioned by Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. It is the sum total of God. Now, as we close, I want you to do some deep introspection. Are you living a life that exemplifies love for your neighbor? And I'm talking to myself in this too. I'm not perfect. Or are you withholding love because your feelings have been hurt? You've been slighted, disrespected, or let down. Jesus has been all of those things. He was betrayed and killed. But the good news is that the story doesn't end there. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures and conquered death in the grave. His sacrifice and victory are our gain. If you've never heard that before and didn't know that Jesus did all of this out of love for you, then I want to remind you that you are indeed precious and an image bearer of God. Your life is valid and meaningful, and you are loved by the Most High God. If you are a Christian and you find the Holy Spirit convicting you today, Ask God for forgiveness and the ability to love and see others as he does. Scripture says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all righteousness. 1 John 1, 8-9 My friend, this world may be hostile, but Jesus said, Take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16:33. It is because of Jesus that we can survive and persevere, that we can love in a way that shows the power of God. So the next time someone uses scripture as a weapon against you or tries to shame you with God is love, be thankful and rejoice in that love because it is literally life-saving and life-giving. That doesn't mean you need to have a theological debate with them on the spot, like I said but pray for the truth of God to be revealed to them and that God does what only God can do, which is change someone's heart. Thank you for joining me in this episode of the Bible and the Geek podcast. Check out the show notes for resources to help you in your faith and to study the Bible better to channel your inner Bible geek. My name is Wendy Coop, and if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to the audio, give the show some love by leaving the leaving a review until next time bye